Welcome everyone to the CMS Pensions Lawcast. Today we're going to be talking about pension schemes and equality, diversity and inclusion. Um, and we're talking about this because in recent years, the pensions regulator has been looking more at equality, diversity and inclusion in pension schemes and how it relates to their governance. So from the research that's been done by various industry bodies, UK pension schemes are generally behind UK companies in terms of their diversity and inclusion considerations. The pensions regulator has also recently stated that one of its strategic objectives up to 2025 is to promote high standards of diversity and inclusion amongst its regulated community. But even without the regulator's focus in this area, we think it's important for trustees to consider equality, diversity and inclusion because of the governance, governance benefits and also ask themselves whether they could be doing more in this area. It's also at the heart of our strategy and culture here at CMS, internally and externally as a firm. So this lawcast is designed to get you as trustees and pension schemes talking about these issues and also starting to make a record of having made these considerations, just in case members or, or the pensions regulator ask about them. So the question is, what does equality, diversity and inclusion mean in the context of a pension scheme? Equality is about ensuring that every member and everyone involved in the scheme has an equal opportunity to make the most of their talents and what the scheme offers to them. Diversity is about recognising what differentiates individuals and groups from each other. Inclusion is about embracing those differences and allowing all individuals to fully participate in the scheme and its operation, irrespective of their individual characteristics. Diversity achieves little without an inclusive environment. So the pensions industry, and in particular pension scheme trustees, do seem to be lagging behind a bit behind their employer counterparts in terms of diversity. So this can particularly be seen in terms of the members of, of trustee boards, but also filters into many other aspects of running a pension scheme, such as the benefits offered to members, how accessible scheme communications are, and making investment decisions. There is also a legal basis for the trustees' equality duties. These equality duties legally derive from the Equality Act 2010. In particular, the Act prohibits discrimination on the basis of nine what's called protected characteristics. These are age, disability, gender reassignment, marriage and civil partnership, pregnancy and maternity, race, religion or belief, sex and sexual orientation. However, diversity goes beyond these characteristics and also includes differences such as socioeconomic background, neurodiversity and mental health conditions. And we strongly encourage trustees to think about diversity in these broader terms. From the legal side, Section 61 of the Equality Act imports an equal treatment rule into every occupational pension scheme, which doesn't already have one in its rules, but only insofar as it relates to protected characteristics. Trustees can be liable if they discriminate against members or prospective members. Trustees must avoid discrimination in how they run the scheme. They must also not harass or victimise others in relation to the scheme. Trustees are also under a duty to make reasonable adjustments to these protected characteristics. Having said that, there are some exceptions for pension schemes. For example, minimum or maximum ages for admission to a scheme, different member or employer contribution rates for different members, where this is because of a difference in pension or pay or perhaps different accrual rates for those members. Early or late retirement ages, where it's related to pay. 
a minimum age for enhanced redundancy benefits or ill health benefits, um, and also the closure of the scheme from a particular date to workers who are not already in it. In certain areas, it's possible to objectively justify discrimination if it's a proportionate means of achieving a legitimate aim. For example, cost is a factor when considering whether employers might be able to discriminate for certain reasons. So what happens if there is discrimination? Well, a scheme member or a prospective member can bring a complaint either to the employment tribunal, um, in which case if the claim is against the trustees, the employer is also a party and has the right to be heard, or the pensions ombudsman, provided they haven't already brought an employment tribunal claim. So one of the reasons that we're looking at this today is because the pensions regulator is shifting its focus to these issues for pension schemes. So as I mentioned at the beginning, the pensions regulator has included promoting high standards of diversity and inclusion amongst its regulated community as one of its five strategic objectives up to 2025. In the last couple of years, the pensions regulator decided to tackle the issue of a lack of diversity on trustee boards. And after a consultation in 2019, it set up an industry working group to look at ways of encouraging the pensions industry to ensure its trustee boards are made up of people with diverse backgrounds, knowledge, skills and perspectives in order to reflect the diversity of their schemes membership. The working group has also been tasked to agree a clear definition of diversity and inclusion for pension schemes, which I certainly think will be very helpful. The pensions regulator has also recognised in other recent publications, such as the draft single super code, that trustees need to be aware of various diversity and inclusion issues, such as reviewing the accessibility of their scheme communications. So what does this actually mean for your pension schemes? It has long been accepted that diversity on a company or pension scheme board improves decision making, but equality, diversity and inclusion in pensions goes much wider than that. It ranges from meeting the needs and demands of the membership through to the reputational risk to your employer if you get it wrong. And that's where we move to the practical points for your scheme. So we're going to go through six areas uh, where we think equality, diversity and inclusion is relevant for pension schemes, but it isn't designed to cover all the possible areas where, where diversity and inclusion might be involved, but just some starting points to get the conversation flowing and show members and employers that you as trustees are aware of these issues and the impacts on your pension scheme. So the first area that we want to cover is in relation to the benefits you provide. So this is really about whether the scheme rules cater for a more traditional family model of a mixed sex married couple, rather than the more diverse range of family groups that we see today. So you'll know that many scheme rules give priority to married couples and have a discretionary dependence rule. While I, I know in reality that many trustees might operate, choose to operate the dependence rule where there is an unmarried couple, this could be flagged to trustee boards that this is in their rules. And is this really the message that the scheme wants to be sending out? It's also an opportunity to check scheme rules again for any Walker and Innispec issues. So this means that schemes can't restrict benefits for civil partners or same-sex marriages to service from 2005. Even though the case law effectively overrides most scheme rules here, do the scheme rules or scheme communications still incorrectly uh, imply that these limitations apply? And are there any reputational risks with this? Trustees should also ensure 
that your employers are made aware of how the scheme operates discretionary benefits to make sure it ties in with the employer's approach. And this sort of applies as an overarching theme. It might be that your employer has already done a lot on equality, diversity and inclusion, and you as trustees in the pension scheme can piggyback off of this. One of the topics that is frequently discussed is the governance of trustee boards and looking at whether trustee boards are sufficiently diverse. And this is an area where trustees can really start thinking about ways that they can improve the diversity on their boards. And how this works will vary from scheme to scheme, the nature of the trustee board, but there are quite a few examples of things that might help or um, worth trying in your particular scheme. For example, a selection process where the board considers that perhaps a particular group of people are underrepresented. Focusing rather than on applicants' existing skills, but all of the training that can be offered to bolster those skills and people's willingness to participate in training and learn on the job. This is particularly the case because there's a lot of evidence that suggests that women and minorities are far less likely to apply for a job that has a long list of required criteria, even if they meet the majority of the requirements. It's also a good idea to keep track of diversity data about the trustees and potential candidates so that your progress can be monitored and the approach adjusted if matters do not improve. You could also consider have a trustee talent pool or a shadow trustee board that will allow people to see what it is a trustee does, what the role involves before they commit to implying. Being more inclusive and targeting in the language that you use in job adverts and regularly reviewing your scheme documents and processes to ensure they factor in the latest on diversity and inclusion. These same considerations should also be applied to any trustee subcommittees. It is also really important to ensure that your trustee board is inclusive in its approach in order to attract and retain a diverse group of trustees and to get the benefits of having diverse viewpoints on the board. The chair should take an active role in ensuring everyone's views are heard and respected, even where there are strong opposing views. Okay, so let's have a look at trustee decision making now. So as trustees, you should ensure that your decision making process considers the diverse needs and requirements of each of your trustees. So do your trustee meeting times suit all board members? Have your trustees personal caring commitments been taken into account? And are your trustees happy to attend a face to face meeting, especially in these times? In terms of making the decisions themselves, Ultimately, as you know, trustees have a duty to take account of all relevant factors and disregard irrelevant factors. So this includes being aware of any unconscious bias that could influence a decision. So, for example, when you're deciding on whether to award ill health benefits, might trustees be more likely to award an ill health pension where the illness is physical rather than mental? Or if you're thinking about awarding death benefits, might trustees be more likely to award a lump sum to an unemployed female in a caregiving role rather than an unemployed male? Communications are really important and they go out to all members, whatever their particular characteristics are. The draft single code provides guidance on what trustees should consider when communicating with members. And that includes the requirement for communications to be accurate, clear, concise, relevant and in plain English. But considering diversity and inclusion in your communications goes much further than that. 
When deciding on the format of communications, trustees should consider what technology might be available or appropriate for the members and consider using various communication methods such as accessible online content, audio, braille, large font and perhaps foreign languages depending on the makeup of your membership. Trustees should also consider whether members are particularly vulnerable. For example, you might have a large population who are over 80, who have recently been bereaved or have dementia. And these factors can really play into how you communicate with your members. So trustees need to have a communication approach that takes into account members' varying needs and takes steps to implement a more inclusive communication approach. This should extend to all communications, whether it's your regular newsletter, a specific project communication or an IDRP response. So let's move on to thinking about advisors now. Um, we've said that trustees might wish to make the same considerations when selecting or reviewing your advisors as you do about your trustee board. We're also suggesting that trustees check their advisors' diversity and inclusion policies, and they might want to look at diversity and inclusion across their advisors. So do you want diversity between your lawyers, your actuarial and your investment consultants? You might also want to look, particularly look at your investment managers. So reviewing your investment managers' diversity and inclusion policy and thinking about the fund manager's beliefs about how diversity of thought can improve their decision making. There are a number of other areas where diversity and inclusion might come up as something that trustees should consider. For example, how is diversity considered in the way you choose your actuarial factors evaluation assumptions? For example, assumptions of life expectancy are usually based on age and gender and could potentially result in unequal benefits being paid. A solution might be using unisex factors, which are a weighted combination of gender-related factors. According to Aon, approximately 80% of schemes choose to use unisex factors for commutation. But many unisex factors are actually a weighted combination of gender-related factors. And while schemes may use them to provide equal benefits, trustees might want to ask questions like, do these factors really reflect the scheme's membership? And how much does the actuary need to look at the member's individual circumstances when undertaking a calculation for them? It's also a relevant factor when looking at your ABC or DC investment options that you're presenting to members. Are they sufficiently broad and inclusive to suit the diverse pool of members? People might have very different beliefs in this area. For example, some of your members might need options on Shreer funds or be very keen to have carbon neutral options. In the single code, TPR also focuses on the importance of ESG in relation to risk management and investment. It's important to note that equality, diversity and inclusion is an essential part of the S of ESG. And as such, it should be a core factor con to consider when deciding how and where to invest the scheme's assets. You should speak to their investment managers and consultants about how these social aspects are integrated into their decision making. A number of points to consider in this are when you're looking at the ESG ratings of your current fund managers, how is diversity and inclusion factored into the S element of the rating? What's the impact on the trustee board's responsible investment beliefs? How your investment advisor beliefs tie up with your views on diversity and inclusion and how that impacts manager selection, um, including the manager's own responsible investment policies and diversity and inclusion policies. 
completing a diversity and inclusion assessment as part of your engagement with any investee companies and investment managers. You might also consider signing up to the Diversity Projects Asset Owner Diversity Charter. So this is aimed at pension funds. And the idea is to get asset owners to sign up to the charter and encourage their asset managers to meet those requirements. So that's it from us on equality, diversity and inclusion for now. So this episode is really designed to kickstart your thinking about all the different aspects that make up equality, diversity and inclusion for pension schemes. So this is the first in a series of law casts on equality, diversity and inclusion. And we'll have Sarah Horan, a professional trustee from ITS, joining us on the next one to let us know what she's seeing in practice on her schemes. 